0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the With Form Welcome podcast. The With Form Welcome podcast is a show where we meet the makers behind the most beloved restaurants here in New York City. This is season two where we focus on Asian Americans specifically that are restaurateurs and chef owners. For today's episode, I brought in Ko. Uh, Ko is the chef owner of Kopitiam, a Malaysian restaurant in New York City on the Lower East Side. It's a counter service restaurant where you kind of go up to the counter or off the menu. It's a, it's a lovely, lovely place. Ko had a very successful year so far in 2018. She was named the Best New Chef by Eater. She was recognized as a semi-finalist by the James Beard Awards for Best New Chef. And the restaurant also has won a lot of awards, but most recently named Top 10 Bon Appetit's Best New Restaurant of the Year, as well as from Eater's Best New Restaurant, 16 restaurants. Um, I think there's a reason for, for everything, but even before we get to the accolades and success that she's had, um, Kyo was actually... a, a a different address, a much smaller project in, that opened back in 2015. Leading up to her opening her own restaurant, she was born into a multi-generational family. Uh, her grandpa had owned a restaurant in Malaysia that was passed down to her dad. And she eventually found herself kind of uh, working in it, but also just being around that kind of family, I guess. So as someone who's also, you know, grown up in the restaurant family and restaurant setting, I, I, I was... Very curious as to see what her thoughts
1: were in growing up in that kind of an environment. Well, I never liked growing up in a restaurant family. I, or honestly, I don't know if I cautiously, knowing it that I don't like it or I do like it and my parents keep brainwashing me and telling yeah. me that I don't like it. <laughs> so my grandfather started a coffee shop with his other two best friends and ended up they didn't really do well and the other two partners didn't know how to manage them. And and then they decided to go, you know, to leave. And then by that time, my dad was originally a salesman. And then he took over, cause seeing a lot of opportunities right there. And he was not born or he was not a, a trained chef back then. He was a salesman. <laughs> I guess he told... I mean, he told me about stories that he started to cook when he was, like, 20. And then knowing that, like, my, my grandmother, they all know how to cook and stuff like that. And then he was always very interested. And then he kind of, like, see one of, like, the fortune teller and it was like, oh, you are, your life is, like, you know, the elements you are, like, the fire element. You should be in the kitchen something. Like that. That's what he said. And, you know, like, sometimes my dad always tells me different stories. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. So, and they always tell you stories and then you, you think that it was kind of interesting, but you yeah. don't know which one is true. My... Dad's family has the uh, background of Albanians, but um, and then my mom is like more strict Albanians. So it's like for Albanians family is um, arranged marriage. Basically, you have they have to look at the backgrounds and all that. And then Albanians family and it is very female. The females are more dominant than sure. the men, and then females had a higher status than men, and which is very fun about it. And um, usually, the eldest female follows the mother's last name. But because my mom is the youngest in the family, so I don't follow her, her, her last name. And you follow your dad's instead. Yeah, I follow my dad's last name. So my mom's family, knowing, um, they were well-known for making kwe, like the sweets of the, the kwe. And so like cooking backgrounds, they have a lot of that. And then, yeah, so they were arranged marriage. And growing up, I remember kind of my, I always hanging out at my parents' restaurant. So initially it was a coffee shop. My dad took over and turned it into a restaurant. I remember hanging out a lot right there. And I thought it was fun when I was a kid, you know, like everybody have like, you know, like a birthday party. I didn't get a chance to go because my mom is very protective. Like for Nounia's family, is very protective. And when I have a birthday party, I have all of great food. My parents keep telling me that, you know, don't, you know, when you grow up, don't be in a food business. You know, this is a blue collar job, you know, study very hard, you know, study hard so that you can be uh, something, uh, a white collar. So since I was a kid, you know, I was always told that I should be a lawyer, a doctor, or something else. You know, yeah. Or maybe architect. That's yeah. what I thought I would be. Okay. And then, Because it was such a small island, small town that everybody knows you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So especially my dad, his, his restaurant is pretty well known there. And he invented a few uh, dishes that, you know, like he, he's the first person who came out with a lot of recipes. And it, wow. everybody was like, oh, you know, you need to go this place and get it. and then, But I was never proud of that. I love the food, but I just don't want to say that it was my dad and Then whenever there's any like charity events going on, you are the first person that the class will call you out. It's like you know because your dad run a, a a restaurant business then you know everyone knows about it. I'm proud of him, but I'm not proud of the things that you know, the family been doing or maybe because of this is the way that I was brought up. Yeah. That I thought that, you know, I wish my dad was doing something else. And I, my dad told me, say, since I was a kid, I'm always very aggressive in career wise. Like I asked him when I was six. I said, Dad, why don't you own a, a corporate company? Why don't you run a corporate company? Why you know, you is it's still businessman? Why do you want to run restaurants? To me, he said because food brings people together. I, I just thought that maybe he's just not as ambitious. Yeah. But growing up, I, I was a, the, the very ambitious one. So I always know that I need to go out. Because I always feel like, you know, Penang is such a small place. You know, no matter how well that I did there, I did in Penang, is still a very small place. Yeah. I wanted to be able to not just to compare to my peers, but also compare to... To people that that was out there to prove that how good i am yeah that aggressive so for my mom's expectations you know like i need to study well do everything that she requires me to do and um i would say that i never have ever have any time to be rebellious at all you know very very well behaved uh including my sexuality i wasn't able to come up to my mother it was very tough. You know, like four times I was confused whether it's gender-wise or my sexuality. Whether I feel like a boy trapped inside of me or I feel yes or no, you know. I couldn't even talk to someone, you know. Because in Malaysia, gay is illegal. And there's a lot of things to suffer in it. And I don't really have someone that I can actually yeah ask for help then i kind of like spoke to my dad you know my father he was um he was english ed- educated so his thinking was very westernized mm. i'm glad that that's the case because i was kind of raised in a very western-minded kind of family but conservative way so it's a very mixture of my my both of my parents were very extremes it's like one hero and there so i'm glad that we can get to to the neutral point so yeah so i kind of like told my dad that that i felt like i have a feeling for girls and i know that since i was six and I was like, hmm, promise me one thing, you know, make sure that you are not hurting anybody. You are not doing anything wrong. You are not, you know, when, when you're able to take care of yourself, fully responsible on your own life.
0: Listening to Kyo's story so far, it seems that she truly didn't like being and growing up in a restaurant family, especially when you're in such a small town uh, like she was. I think because restaurants are known to be kind of the, the epicenter of a community and a neighborhood, a lot of people knew about her and her family meaning whatever she she did her it reflected of her parents her dad and her her family so she had to uphold a lot of standards her mother like she said was very productive of her and so she couldn't really socialize and go out as much as she wanted to uh, early on i think she also faced questions about her own sexuality and you know, these are kind of avenues and conversations she couldn't have with really anyone except for her dad so I think her dad plays a really pivotal role here in shaping her career. So I, I was curious to see if there was a, a certain memory that maybe she could pinpoint for us to share.
1: I would follow my dad around um, in the morning to the market to pick up some stuff for the restaurants and for the family. And I always say that to my my, my, my peers. I was like, um, it's so different because most of, you know, traditionally people think that females are the ones who go to the market. And it's kind of cool my dad would, Go to the market, he always goes, and then, you know, park his car. And then he go around and say, okay, like 10 cases, this. And everybody was, they know which car. Yes. Wow. And then meanwhile, he will walk to a coffee shop, which is, we call Kopi Tiams. So Kopi tiams mean means um, coffee shop. Kopi yeah. means coffee, Tiams means shops in that local dialects. So he would hang out at that, that coffee shop every time, you know, reading newspaper. So he would sit down at this place and at this corner... And there's a, a very old man. He comes out. He doesn't even have to tell him what he wants. You know, he'll bring him his coffee. And my dad will decide, cannot decide what he wants. He will order around what he wants. And they know who is he. They will bring the food in. They don't really talk. But the guy who serves them coffee knows everything about everyone. And my father told me that this guy has been here since his 30s so wow. when I met that guy he was like 75 so now you get the idea that coffee shops in Malaysia it goes for generations it's like you know like you kind of develop the relationship with these person's for 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 time but you don't even know that like this person know everything's about you he's like he could be like an uncle or a grandfather that sure. is not even related to you
0: very early in her childhood Kyo loved tagging along with her dad to these markets to buy produce and ingredients for the family restaurant And while they were doing that, as she alluded to before, they would go to coffee shops or copatiums to spend time, some downtime. And that was really for uh, her dad to kind of isolate himself, catch up on the news, socialize, meet up with his friends. Um, And the other spectrum, we have uh, her mom, who she wasn't really able to approach and get along with. But there was one moment where she saw that she could spend time with her and actually be happy to be with her.
1: The most peaceful moment that I have it with my mother is that when we both cooking, she would cook something and I was forced to help her during the preparations. It's like you know that this is a person that's very close to you, you know there's love in between, but you don't say it. And then through cookings, you probably understand more. So every single things that I make in Kopitiams right here today, every dishes, it actually um are there are little memories of everything everyone to my family members like for panda chickens example for loba you know that reminds me about my aunts and then or and then like flashing chickens you know remind me about my dad yeah there are a lot of things that you know when you were around you don't really talk about it because maybe words can really describe how good it was
0: another happy moment for ko aside from tagging along to the markets with her dad were the downtimes where she would spend k- times in the kitchen with her mom, cooking alongside her, kind of prepping meals. And this these two kind of snippets of memories into her childhood would prove to come back later on in her life. But the journey now begins into New York, where she decided to go to kind of uh, advance her studies and see the world. And initially, the transition to New York was not very easy for Kale.
1: When I come to New York, I face a lot of difficulty work as a bartender because they prefer like you know other races sure. to work in there second you are not as girlish or a pretty looking girl so i have no choice i have to work two jobs in the restaurants, and i do start up as a dishwasher and yeah i was the only female that works in the kitchens oh, wow and then i was doing and then because i washed so fast and then i try to help the guys to do some preps prep too. yeah and then the chef realized that i have those skills and he was like how long have you been cooking? I was like, seven, <laughs> since I was seven. And then he started like moving to the front and all that. He got, but
0: He got into like the line eventually.
1: Yeah, so my friend was very mad about it. He thought that, you know, if I become a dishwasher, he's the one who pulled me in. At night, I work as a bartender, you know, and then I go to school, squeeze all my class in one day. Thursday is my only day off, All everything's in one day. Wow. And then if I have between one hour, I go to school. If there are a, a short class, I don't even know how I do that. But I just know that I need to be graduate. Oh, yeah. I major in Advertising and Public Relations. 2010, my mom surprised me by coming to attend to my graduate, uh, my, my graduations. And I just took all the pictures and say, Oh, mom, we can go now. My mom was like, oh, this is not what I see on TV. <laughs> I was like, mom, I don't have friends. My time is basically, I only spend like one full day at school. So I don't have friends, but I don't want her to feel bad about it. Because she doesn't even know how I actually survive in school. She doesn't even... You know, because every time that they're trying to see if they should send me money or not, I know that they're doing very hard over there because Malaysian money to U.S. dollar is like four times more, so it's very hard, very, very, very tough. So yeah, and then so I brought my mom, they're hanging around and all that. And I know that right after that I have to start my OPT. So I work for a lot of fashions companies and also like marketings and all that. And ended up that one guy saw me and he saw me hanging out with her, like the models and all stuff, and then he. Realized that I'm actually good in in that, and then he was like, "Oh, do you want to work for me? Like, I owns a lot of clubs. Maybe you can use your skills and see how it goes. It pays good money. I started as a promoter, and then it pay off everything said my school easily. But it's also very stressful because you know that the club business is is a lot of things going on. Like, I even gone to like some production company trying to because I can speak up to ten language, and uh, but they like me, but they were thinking if I need sponsor, that would be another issue. It, it was very tough. Yeah. So it's like regardless how nice my resume, how good my GPA is, it doesn't really matter. I miss the time to for internships when I was in school because I have to work. So I just have to suck up everything. Yeah, yeah it was very tough. Yeah, I work from restaurant to restaurants, and then sometimes I struggle, so it's like I I. I study hard. I, I gone to university. I did well in school. Why am I not having a job? But I know life still have to go on. The promotion things was doing very well. Yeah. So I helped them to, you know, I work in a restaurants, I work for promotions and all that. And also ended up that one of the restaurants that I've been working, he realized that I can manage and then he wanted to let me to manage his, his restaurant. I know that I should be doing something, else right so and my promotions at night i was also helping him to like manage and do a lot of things for his restaurants hotels and all this kind of thing and one day i had a conversations with my coworker when i was wiping the glasses in the restaurants and i said every day i wake up realize that i can only do so much but i wish i can do more than that
0: if you can't tell already Go was was a hustler right she came to New York with nothing to her name and she did what she could to make money while going to school, which was getting involved in bartending and kind of getting involved in the restaurant industry as a server and whatnot. And also eventually, as we know now, she managed restaurants and also even had a side gig as a club promoter. And again, all of this to really make ends meet for her to live in New York City. Eventually, she would make the transition from of bartending and being a club promoter into doing our own thing and owning our own place um, and that kind of started with a conversation with her mom
1: so one day i have a conversations with my mom um, you know our relationship get better when i'm not around her and then she said oh remember the place they used to hang out this old man died and then none of his family is doing it so probably right now they don't you you cannot find these things anymore so i feel very sad and it reminds me about the memory when I that I had when I was seven. I been eating at one same place for a six years straight. It's a noodle. It's a very simple noodles. And I see this old lady. I don't really talk to her, but if I don't finish my noodle, she would be like a mother. She'll say, I finished it, you know. <laughs> and then every time we don't really talk, but she will, she when she sees me, she knows that I will sit there and she will bring me my food. Yeah, and I after like I see her from black hair to gray hair, and wow. so at one point that she was gone. Wow. <coughs> then I realized that she was six, and then she came back again, and then not too long after she she was gone forever. Yeah. Her son took over, over with, that, yeah. that that place, and it was not the same anymore. Yeah. And I started to think about my family thing, you know. So what if my dad is gone? Right. What if my mom is gone? Are the those things that you know? They taught me, will there be still would, would that still be there? you know, And I started to think about I, like, I kind of see the relationship because my mom is a person that she's very aggressive, my dad's like more tame kind of guy. but the most peaceful relationship they had is that my dad would go around the tables and take orders and then tell my mom to write it because he had a very small right writings and he never take that, he never had the books with him. He remember every single thing, so that even though you order ten dishes and he, after he takes your order, he go to another one and then he remembers. <clears throat> I never know that why might I remember. I thought that we all have a very good memory. That's what I thought. Until I have the Copy times one point oh, that's when I realized that because those people have become your sure friends. And you kinda know them personally, kind of. And yeah. knowing what they want. So yeah, and then there are basically three things, you know. It was like the conversation with my mom, and I was reading an article. This, this, food, this fashion blogger turns to be a food blogger and a chef, like a food editor or something. And she's half Korean, half white. So the story was basically saying that growing up as the first generations of, uh, you know, first generations American or Korean, her mom would cook three different breakfasts every day. Korean breakfast, American breakfast, and her breakfast—a mixture of everything. She would say sometimes when she brings her breakfast, her, her friends was like making fun of her because she's weird. Uh, the breakfast seems weird, and growing up, she doesn't really appreciate it. But she likes her mom's kimchi. Until one day, her mom suddenly was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she left within six months. Wow, it was very quick, and she couldn't even do anything about it she spent almost almost two years trying to remake the same kimchi like her mother right now the taste that she had is close enough but not the same and then this is the things that she regret the most yeah and i kind of like could relate this to myself you know if i continue to work with people people will always judge me for who i am
0: there were a couple of things that i think ended up to kill wanting to do her own thing but the main thing is the discrimination that she faced from other coworkers or people in the industry when she was working as a bartender, as a manager. And then also this kind of realization that life isn't immortal, that there's a beginning and an end, and that the only person that was gonna be carrying on her mom or her dad's legacy and their story, and really their cultural narrative would be her. And I think this is when it clicked for her that this would have to be done only if she goes out on her own to do a restaurant.
1: I um, talked to my friend. She was like, oh, I have a friend who owns this store the cor- uh, right at this corner. It used to be a flower shop. Maybe you can take a look. Huh? Who knows? You know, She didn't really think much. I don't think much either. I walk into the store, and I look at it. 210 square feet, probably around like this. And then I was like, okay, I can do something about it. Because this is what what I was actually good at. Because um, when I was working for the clubs, same thing. They brought me to the club or the restaurants that they, they own. I look at the space, I come up with things. So I know that I can turn something else and then with the calculations and everything so which I it just comes yeah. up to my head. Wow. And then I was like, okay, so if okay, the rent is because they have hard time renting an it out. And and then the owner are notorious in that area. And I took I took the risk. I was like, okay, if I if the rent is only this much, every day I can only make this minimum then I'm okay. And so I have my sister, my sister is an interior designer to kinda of like, draw what can be done over there so yeah like the cheapest price to kind of like do the stuff and then like we don't even have an ac and then um we thought that you know it should be okay but now <laughs> i want to do something that actually reminds me of the bond that we have so i remember Kopitiam because those are the places that i spend the most time with my family that's the time that where all the family members are together yeah.
0: Hobartium was born out of the idea of community and a gathering place for families and for Malaysian Americans or for anyone that wanted to try Malaysian culture through her food. So it was a very small, humble operation, opened in 2015 on the borderline of Chinatown and the Lower East Side. No chairs, no seats, literally kind of a, a stall, a window. And like she said, it was not even AC. It was It was really a hole in the wall, to say the least. That being said, it did fairly well still. And I think the landlord saw that and wanted to take the opportunity to increase her rent. And that rent spike just just didn't really make sense for her.
1: They wanted to raise 25%, which I said it's not possible. And then he was like, oh, you're busy anyway. So Why should I? Because everything's, you know, when it comes, and you guys are not really helping. So I already have a plan to open 2.0. And I was thinking if, is it's more on i'm like in the you know like people would be like oh you're you should be happy because you're doing something you love but i would say that instead of saying what i love this is something that i do out of love there are a lot of other things that i love but this is the things that i started because of love you know so i already have the, the business plans everything like you know coming out you know but i'm actually uh, also a person that very good in like doing a lot of things in my head and then i spend one day just one day <laughs> type up the proposal and it was in November. And then I kind of like started to tell all my regulars, I said, oh, we are closing down because the, gen, like the rent hike.
0: The original Copatium unfortunately closed down in November, but the matter of fact was, it, it was a proven concept. There was a market for it. There was a need for it. There was a demand for Malaysian food. And I think she did a great job of building a local, almost cult-like following of a restaurant. And among those followed her was actually her now business partner, Moonlin, who came in to help kind of fund the project and run the operations side of it. And they were actually able to open within just a matter of few months into the new location. Uh, I was curious as to how they initially met and what that partnership looked like. So this is Kyo on how she met Moonlin.
1: She has been coming to my restaurants for, for a long time, but I, we never get to talk to each other because they are quiet. And I'm quiet, you know, like. I didn't really get to talk to them. Before I close, I should say bye to everyone. I started to think about this family that I had a conversation with, right? And I didn't have their contact. I said, like, ah, oh, I wish they come. They came. They came three days. My business partner by that time was also looking for her own venture. She was looking to invest in the restaurants. And, and then when I look at her, and then, and then I, I show her my business plan. plan yeah. yeah, Because I met so many people before that already, that I know that I don't want to work with these people. So when I met her it's different it's just different feelings. And then I show it to her and then we decided to hang out for five days and then we talked and then I was like, she's the one that I'm looking for. I told her that I could give her more equity. You know, initially it was like less. But I know that there are so much more that I can do with her. That you now that we call each other twin, you know, like she's like the other side of me. Like she she's good with the paperwork, so I hate them. It takes one month for us to sign everything like so okay. you know. I already saw the new place before. The guy had been showing me, the, the agent had been showing me around already. When I saw this location, I know that I have to ha- make it happen, but I told him not to s- say anything very obvious yet until I find a business partner. That's yeah. what I said. And when we opened up, the first three days was horrible.
0: <laughs> when co first opened, I was following the news and it was quite the frenzy. I mean, there was a lot of press around it. I think there were also just a lot of fans and devoted customers that were following Kyo and waiting for it to reopen especially that neighborhood I think it was a great neighborhood, great location and they're doing some awesome things the one thing I wanted to ask was her insight too about success and kind of reflect on it and if there's anything that she could share with the the listeners.
1: When I was 21 I always always said to myself I wish that I was successful when I was 21 already, I always feel like I can do so much, right? But sometimes, but like whatever happens today is making me feel like sometimes success ha- can wait, you know. It doesn't have to be, you know, everyone, they have their different timing for that. If you are giving people the true heart, people will feel it.
0: And that wraps it up for episode five of With Warm Welcome with Kyo Peng. Thank you so much for being on the show. I think it, it truly shows that you wear your heart on your sleeve. And I was at your restaurant recently, and the food was amazing and the service was really really awesome and I love what you're doing there especially being able to provide jobs for people in that community so what makes Copa team so special for me and this is something I read later on in the ringer it's a great article that I'll a link where Cho and her business partner Moonlit actually hire high school students and give them part-time job opportunities to work in the restaurant to learn about restaurant operations and in the kitchen are malaysian grandmothers that are prepping the food so it's a really interesting dynamic you have the young energetic high school kids that are, are that are out in front and then the the grandma's touch if you will and, and the, the the authentic taste and experience and flavor profiles happening in the back it's a really magical space and uh congrats again on everything so far if you haven't been to Kopitiam, i would highly recommend putting it on your list Thanks again for tuning in to another episode and we'll see you next week on With Warm Welcome.